from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. When Nikki Glaser was here, she was so fun. And honestly, she talked so much, as she joked about repeatedly during our interview. We didn't get through half the questions I had for her. So we persuaded her to stay a few minutes after the show so we were able to keep talking and address a few of the things I'd really been wondering about. I feel like she opened up so much here. We wanted to share that with you. Well, so look, we got you just here for a couple minutes here. I want to talk to you about a couple of things we didn't have time to ask you about on the show. And one is that you have been taking voice lessons. Is there a Nikki Glaser musical project in your future? Yeah, actually. I found... Um I found music and and singing and uh, I haven't song written yet, but I've I realized like that was always what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a singer songwriter. That was like the thing that I used to say in high school that I wanted to be, even though I didn't play a musical instrument. I barely sang. Um, and then along the way, I took singing. I was in acapella at Kirkwood High School. I took singing lessons from a woman on the side just to like improve my voice. And she told my mom I didn't have it. Oh. And so it was a it was a lost cause and that I was never going to be a professional singer. So it was a waste of my mom's money. Now, I don't know if my mom sought out this information so she would be able to go to garage sales instead of driving me to Chesterfield every Sunday morning. Regardless, I took that note and was like, oh, I, I shan't sing a single note the rest of my life. I'm bad at this. This oh. isn't for me. And then when the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to express myself with comedy every night, I was just I was the emotions were like bubbling up and like causing me a lot of pain. And so I got a karaoke machine and had it in my parents' living room. I would get up every morning, eat breakfast and then go in the living room and sing like three Taylor Swift songs that would help me like process my feelings. Your parents let you stay for 10 months when you were doing this in the morning? That didn't last very long because after like I was really just singing like you know, like the worst, like the worst. It was like when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you. Like I was singing about like being 15 in my childhood home at the age of 36 at the time. I mean, it was it was wild, but it was I just needed. I didn't know what else to do. It was so weird. It just it was humiliating to even want to do something like that. But I couldn't help it. I needed to get it out. And then she came. Taylor Swift came out with Folklore um, over the sum- summer last year and. I was just compelled to play those songs. I connected with some of them, and my dad has guitars laying around the house because he's a musician himself. He plays around town. And so I just picked up a guitar and started, like, playing with it when he wasn't there so he wouldn't hear how bad I was. Because that was another thing. When I was young, I picked up the guitar, and I just wasn't that good. And so I was like, if I'm not great at this, I just can't do it. And... You know, I've learned since doing comedy that you only get good at something if you just practice. And so Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, I got time now. And I just went crazy practicing. So over the course of a year and a half, I'm pretty decent at guitar now. And and then I was like, oh, the voice has always been there. It's been an easier thing for me than um, a musical instrument. So why don't I work on that, too? Because... You know, if Miley Cyrus talks like this and she can sing really well, then me with my husky voice, there's got to be something in there for me. So yeah, the standards have changed. It's I, I it, you know, I just it, if I'm comparing myself to Ariana Grande or Adele, I'm always going to feel like I'm a terrible singer. But if I'm comparing myself to Eddie Vedder or Lou Reed or Bob Dylan, 
why why does Bob Dylan get to sing yet me in high school I got told that I couldn't I, I was never gonna have it like it just doesn't make sense like I there's some there's something in there for me so I'm taking voice lessons and it's um, so, so is the idea you're gonna be a singer songwriter now yeah I really want to I want to transition out of comedy eventually because I, although I think I'll always do stand-up comedy I'm really tired of approaching everything with a cynical point of view. I just, the more work I do on myself and the more that I want to connect with people, I think it's important. Sincerity is just so much more important. And I do think that there's, there is a value in stand-up comedy that there isn't in music in the sense that, you know, we lose someone like Norm MacDonald and, and everyone this week has been saying, gosh, it's going to be sad when things happen. We're going to want to hear Norm's take. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's different than a musician because when a musician dies, you don't go, oh, I want to hear you know, uh, David Bowie's take on the pandemic. It's like, we yeah. don't need that as much as, you know, but but I do, but the thing about musicians that I don't feel comedians do is I, I want to be able to, like, not have to have new material all the time. I want to go play songs that people know and, like, it's, that would be nice. Have the, some hits. That the, the pressure of having to do playing. new material yeah. as opposed to, like, if you, you can't do, like, your greatest hits of jokes. And not yeah. that I even want to, but I just, I want to be more sincere with my with my art. And I think that it's terrifying. I mean, every time I sit down to write lyrics, I'm just like, oh, are you sad? Is someone upset about their heart hurting? And it's just, like, it's just so uncomfortable. And yeah. that's what I'm constantly chasing is the uncomfortable. And that's why stand-up is kind of boring to me now because it used to be so scary. And now I'm like, ugh, so easy now. I want, I want a new challenge. So I think singer-songwriting is, is great, and you're going to be great at it, and I want you to pursue this. But I also have this other idea for you, because watching you on F-Boy Island and hearing you talk about that experience today, I feel like you could be like the Oprah for <laughs> younger women, because they need somebody to, to give them these things who's lived it, and yeah. you have lived it, and you think about it in such a smart way, and you're fast on your feet. Like, you should write one of these best-selling books and then just go be Oprah. Thank you. I am actually um, writing in the process of writing a book right now, and that was my whole, uh, you know, I'm working with someone to help me along because I have so much stuff going on that I just, I every time I sit down to write a book, I'm like, there's two, I don't even know how to do this. So I was talking with my not ghostwriter, but my, my my helper. And I said, you know, I want to use this book as a way to pivot into Brene Brown, like Oprah territory, because I just, that's what my podcast has become really. Like I have never had the response from my standup that I'm getting from my podcast because I just talk, I just want to make, I'm, all I want to do the rest of my life is make art that makes young people and people that have self-esteem issues and uh, feel better about themselves. Like that's that's my goal now, and I do everything through that lens. Uh, you know, sometimes I do things like F Boy Island for the fun and the comedy of it. But even that, I found a way to work in some stuff that's like, okay, what's what's really going on here? Let's like look under the surface of F Boys. F stands for fragile, if you ask me. And mm. so I, the, but the responses I've been getting from my podcast have been like, you know, girls saying I was able to go on this weekend trip this uh, that I wanted to lie to get out of because I didn't want to be in a swimsuit around someone. But instead I went and I was in, able to be in a swimsuit and I didn't think about it or care and I really loved myself. And to get someone to be able to enjoy a weekend trip that they were going to miss out on because they didn't like their body, however I was able to get them there, and that's that's really my goal is like, especially with body image stuff and, and just just self-esteem. I've, I've been getting the, that feedback and boy, I've really, it's like a new, it's a new terrain for me because it feels, whenever people compliment my stand-up, I just always feel like I'm kind of a magician, like, oh, thanks, you know, like, I, but I, 
I'm just tricking you into liking me. Like, I, I know I'm funny, but it's all like a, it's just not sincere. And so when people say, no, you actually made me stop today instead of having road rage, I thought maybe that person that cut me off was going through something bad today. So instead of honking, I just like let them pass. And I'm like, wow, that butterfly effect of that person not honking could have led to that person who didn't get honked at going home and not yelling at their kids like they would have if they got like, yeah, I, I can have these effects on the world that are really positive in, in a new way. And, and those those compliments land like they fill they fill me with purpose and meaning as opposed to your roast crack me up. I mean, there's I, I, I hate to burst the bubble on comedians, but no comedian is doing it because they like to make the world laugh. They do it because they want people to like them. Mm-hmm. It's whenever people are like, isn't it great you're able to give back laughter to the world? I've always been like, yeah, I get like that's never been the reason I do it. And I hate to say that because obviously that's a great thing about comedy, but that's never been the reasoning for me or any of my favorite comedians to do it. It's really and finally, I think I found something that uh, is actually I'm doing not for me, but for others. And and, and in turn, it, it comes back for me, too, and, and fills me up and actually gives me a sense of like, oh, like. I, I feel full. I don't need that empty validation of people laughing and clapping. I enjoy it. I still love performing and doing comedy, but man, I, I like the other stuff a lot more. I think you found your thing, and I'm going to be you. really excited to read that book. Thank you so much. So, yeah. Well, Nikki Glazer, thank you for joining us in this lightning round. Thank you for having me even more. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr. It was mixed and edited by Jane Mather Glass. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.